Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. It is always good to be able to be together and worship the Lord together. Uh, that hymn that we just sang, I, it's the first time we've sung it here, uh, but it's been around for a little while. And one of the most powerful times I ever heard it was uh, right as the, the war in Ukraine started. A group of Christians in Ukraine stood around singing that as war is happening around them. Can you imagine? God will hope, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> God will hold us fast no matter where we are, no matter what happens around us. It's a good thing I brought my coffee up with me. <laughs> so today we are continuing our series on the, the book of Genesis. This is our 50,000 foot view. Um, so we are racing through the story of Jacob. Esau, or Isaac only had a few chapters about him. Jacob has 10 or 11. So if you want to go home and read a rip-roaring story, go from Genesis 25 to Genesis 35. Obviously, I don't have time to read all of that today. So we're just going to read a story toward the end of, of Jacob's time as he's finally coming back. He, he's He's gone out from his father's family to go and find a wife among his mother's people, um, and he is on his way back. He's tricked his uh, his brother into his birthright, uh, like he tricked his brother out of his birthright, so that Jacob got it, and and Jacob got Esau's blessing as well. Now he's coming back into um, into the promised land knowing that he has to face his brother. But this weird little incident happens um, just before he meets Esau. This is Genesis 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok River. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans, and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. And then turning over to Psalm 25, uh, this is verses 1 through 7. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will, will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. 
and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy God, we do praise you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you turn scoundrels into saints. You turn worthless people into people that you call worthy, not because we have earned it, but because you, your, worth, your worth is given to us. Lord, as we listen to the story of Jacob today, may we find encouragement even in Jacob's weakness, and may we see hope in the midst of your promises. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we turn to the story of Jacob, it reminds me uh, of stories that have a great character arc. If you know what I mean, a character arc is one where, where somebody goes from, you know, some place of weakness or, or brokenness and then is, it finds redemption and strength by the end of the story. I think of Jean Valjean in the Les Miserables, where he, he starts out a prisoner who is, is worthless and steals from a bishop, but the bishop shows him grace. And then he begins to live a good life, but he still has a secret. And it's not until the end of the book that his secret is fully known and he's fully loved and accepted. That's a beautiful character arc. And we see that kind of character arc in Jacob as well. Jacob is a mess. <laughs> he starts out, um, he, he comes out of the womb grabbing his brother's heel. He, he tricks his brother twice. He tricks his father. Um, and then he goes off to, to marry a wife and gets tricked by his uncle over and over. His name, very name means means the grabber, the striver, he's, he's the deceiver, and, and he's named this and then lives out that name. And yet God has other plans, and God has a new name for him. And God will, will bring him through this whole ark and bring him into redemption, but it's going to take Jacob laying down his desire to grab onto things that, that for himself rather than trusting God. He has to grab onto God for that blessing to finally come, um, come through. This, this whole story is a reminder that this family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, the family uh, is a family of faith and of failure. And boy, does that typify a lot of human families that, that we are families of faith and failure. But the kingdom of God ultimately depends <clears throat> on God's sovereign grace and not on our human frailty. So as we listen to the story of Jacob, let's, let's listen for God's redemption in it and how he can turn someone who was striving to do everything on his own strength to someone who finally is given weakness and it's in his weakness he finds God's strength. There was a prophecy over Jacob even at his birth, before his birth. His, his mother noticed he, she was bearing twins, and they were fighting constantly in the womb. And, and she prayed, God, what is going on here? And, and the Lord prophesied over, over the boys in her womb and finally says, the older will serve the younger. So there's this prophecy that there's going to be a blessing that the birthright is really Jacob's. Even from before he was born. 
But as he's born, it, Esau comes out first, but, but Jacob is literally grabbing his heel on the way out of the womb. He's, he is known as a grabber from day one. They name him Jacob, which means grabber. And then the same name means deceiver. He's trying to grab what isn't necessarily his. And that, that image defines his life for, for most of his adulthood. He's trying to grab what he wants. And even what is promised to him, you see that that blessing was already promised to him before he was born, but he feels like he has to be the one to do it, to bring it about. So one day his brother Esau is out hunting and comes back in and he's starving. He's so hungry, you know, the word hangry. This is a, a perfect example of hangry. He, he's mad and he's hungry and he wants food right now. And his brother's like, you know, he was making some lovely stew and he's like, give me a bowl of that stew. Well, Jacob, the grabber, the deceiver, decides that this is a perfect opportunity to get something from Esau that he really wants. He said, give me your birthright. Give me your birthright. What an audacious thing to say. You know, I, I deserve to be the oldest. You don't. Here's some soup. So Esau, the, who, he's, he's known as Red, and this is Red Stew it's because he's such a burly man. He's an outdoorsy guy. Jacob's more the guy that hangs with the women in the tent. But Esau does not value his birthright. He doesn't even care. When he responds to Jacob and his request, he's like, what is that to me? I'm starving to death. Give me some food. But the interesting thing here is that Jacob, even though he's trying to grab something that, that shouldn't be his, he does value the birthright more than Esau. Esau doesn't care about the covenant of Abraham and Isaac. Esau just cares about his, his current human bodily desires. But, but Jacob sees that there's something valuable in this birthright, even though he's, he's being conniving, yet there is something that he values about the covenant of God. Then the next time he, he doubles down on this, this deceit, Rebekah and Isaac have each chosen their favorite son. Isaac's favorite son is Esau. Rebekah's favorite son is Jacob. And she wants Jacob, she wants to enforce that prophecy also that the older will serve the younger. So she figures out a way to trick Isaac into, uh, into giving his blessing to Jacob instead of Esau. Uh, it, uh, Jacob says, you know, my eyesight's going, I am just a frail old man, I want to bless you before I die. So he says this to Esau, he sends him out uh, to, to find some wild game and cook it for him and make him a stew. Well, Rebecca hears this and says, okay, Jacob, here's the deal. We're going to figure this out. So they make stew themselves out of some goats, and then they cover Jacob in goat skin so that he will be as hairy as his brother. And he goes in and receives Isaac's blessing. As soon as great narrative structure, as soon as, as this, this story is, as soon as he receives the blessing, right then Esau walks in says, here I am, Father, bless me. And Isaac realizes what, that he himself has been de uh, deceived, and he has no blessing left. He gave Jacob such a beautiful blessing. There's nothing left for Esau. And he, he enforces that the older will serve the younger. Well, Rebecca knows now that Esau is going to be really angry about this and will try to kill Jacob. So she knows that she has to get Jacob out of town. 
So he, she tells Isaac, look, let's, let's not let Jacob marry anybody, one of the locals. We don't want him to marry one of these people like Esau did. They're driving me crazy. So she sends Jacob out to, to meet her brother again, like, like Abraham's servant we talked about last week, went, went to this place where Rebekah was from. So, so Rebekah is now sending her son to meet her brother's family so that he can find a bride there. Whenever we look at a Hebrew narrative, whenever you're reading it and you see a story that parallels an earlier story, part of what you're supposed to look for is how different things are. So it's one of those like, which one of these pictures is not like the other? Can you, can you pick out the differences? That's what these stories are supposed to be like. So we have somebody from Abraham's household now going back to this, the place where Abraham is from. Think about last week, we talked about the, the faithful servant who goes and he gets to the well at the, the spring where this family um, is able to water their flock. And he prays and, and out comes uh, Rebecca and Rebecca, he says, Lord, if this is the right person, let her offer to water my camels. Jacob doesn't pray. He gets to the same place with the same family. He does not pray. He doesn't ask for a sign. He doesn't ask for, is this the right person? Jacob gets to that place. Rebecca, uh, Rachel comes out and he instantly, it's probably a pretty guy thing, wants to impress her. <laughs> He's like, well, I can do this. There's a bunch of shepherds gathered around. They're waiting for all the different shepherds to come in. Rachel is a shepherd. And, and they're waiting because it takes a bunch of them to move the stone away from the well so that they can get to it and water their flock. But Jacob, he's all like, I can do this myself. And he, he must have been an incredibly strong person because he's able to move this stone that it usually took multiple people to do. So Jacob, the grabber, the deceiver, he's like, I can grab this. I can do this myself. So rather than asking for God's help, he does it himself. He doesn't know anything about Rachel. He doesn't know anything about her character, um, you know, who she is. Does she love the Lord? He, he doesn't know anything about that at all, but he's willing to grab for himself what he came for. This, of course, leads to deception from his uncle. His uncle meets him, says, yes, you can work for seven years to have my daughter. Uh, but then when the time finally comes, he doesn't give Jacob Rachel. He gives Jacob Rachel's older sister, Leah. And, and when he realizes that he's been deceived, Laban says, well, now, you know, you spend a week with Leah, then you can have Rachel, but you have to work another seven years for her too. So 14 years, essentially, of slave labor for these, these two wives of his. There, of course, already is there's, there's fighting between Rachel and, and Leah. One is, Leah is able to have children. Rachel, it takes a long, long time. Rachel demonstrates that she doesn't really have faith in God. Sarah was willing to pray to God for a child. Rachel blames Joseph, Jacob. Why haven't you given me a son? And there's strife and enmity in the, the names of, of, of the sons. These are going to be the 12 tribes of, of, of Israel. But each one has a story of how there was fighting even within the family. Finally, Jacob uh, pays off the price of his, his wives, and he's able to build flocks from Laban. He sort of tricks him again to, to be able to build up his wealth in, in goats and sheep. 
and then decides that if he's going to get out of there, he's going to have to do it secretly. So he packs up the family and heads out, and, and, and Laban goes and chases after him. But Jacob knows that God has promised to be with him. Even though Jacob has been grabbing everything all along, even on his way to, the, to, his, to, to meet Rachel, he has a dream. That's where that stairway to heaven thing happens, where, where suddenly he sees this stairway where angels are, are, are rising and falling, or going up and coming down. One commentator I read said that stairway was actually like the opposite of the Tower of Babel. In the Tower of Babel, humans were trying to build up to reach God. But in the picture that we see uh, in Genesis, it's actually the opposite of that. It's a stairway that starts in heaven and descends to earth so God can reach humans. And God reaches down and he tells Jacob, I have a promise for you. He repeats almost the exact words that he's made a covenant with Abraham. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I will be with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. So finally, he has a chance to be brought back to this land. There's one final conflict with Laban. Uh, you may remember like a, a Mizpah coin. Have you ever seen one of those? May God watch over, watch between you and me. That's not uh, between two loves. <laughs> That's between two enemies. Um, and they're, they're saying like, God's keeping his eye on you. Don't, don't, you know, don't mess with my family anymore. But Jacob finally escapes the grasp of Laban. And now he's on his way. To meet his brother again. His brother, the last time he saw him, wanted to kill him. Is he going to be able to come back to the land that God has promised, even with, uh, even after all this time has, has gone by, he is scared out of his wits. He's grabbed everything he could grab, from his wives to his children to his sheep and goats, but he, and he grabbed the birthright and he grabbed the blessing, but now he has to fight for his life. And that's when we get to this, this really strange scene. Jacob has sent everybody across, uh, across the river, and he's by himself. And in, in chapter 32, it shows us a prayer that he prays. If you look through 25 to 35, the first prayer is in chapter 32. Jacob doesn't pray until years and years and years after his story has started. His first prayer is in chapter 32. And finally, as he's been grabbing and deceiving and trying to control and manipulate, he finally humbles himself before the Lord. This is the prayer in, in Genesis 32, verse 9. Jacob prayed, O God my father, of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who once said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown to your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed the Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He's finally able to humble himself, and he calls back to that scene with the stairway. God, you promised that you would bring me back to this land. You promised that you would let my descendants flourish. Who am I? I had nothing when I left. Now look what you've done for me, but my life is still at stake, and I need your help. 
Jacob finally realizes that he can't do this by himself. And he's willing to lay things down before the Lord. But there's one last test. This really weird story. I mean, most commentators I, I read about this were all like, this is a really weird one. I mean, Genesis has some strange stories. But this one is odd. All of a sudden, this guy shows up and they start wrestling. Isn't that what you do when you can't sleep? I mean, you know, I wrestle with my thoughts all the time, but usually there's not a wrestling partner literally right there. So he wrestles and he wrestles and he wrestles. And at, the, at daybreak, it's, it's, it's kind of a draw. And, and Jacob basically pins the guy down. And the guy reaches out and, and, and hurts Jacob's hip. And suddenly Jacob can't win anymore. Uh, but Jacob has this instinct to say, I'm not going to let you go. Even in his weakness, I'm not going to let you go until I, I bless you. It's this funny scene, and suddenly you realize that the, who he's wrestling with is actually God. Pastor Steve was really big on the, the, the pre-incarnate showings of, of Jesus in the Old Testament. That means, like, before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the Old Testament, we see hints of Jesus coming up. And this is probably one of those, a hint of Jesus. This is, this is God embodied and solid enough to be a wrestling partner. Jesus is, is there and present and wrestling with Jacob, the one who's been wrestling with God all of his life. And, and it's interesting to think that God, in his, all of his might and power, humbles himself and pours himself into something that is a, a, a being that is not as strong as Jacob. Jacob has been relying on his strength and his wit and his conniving all of his life. And God humbles himself below that. So that Jacob can meet him. So that Jacob can understand. And, and, and Jacob thinks that he's won again. And yet God touches his hip. And he realizes that God is way more powerful than he is. But he still clings to the guy. clings to the Lord. And says, I won't let you go until you bless me. That is actually a prayer. He is saying, I need your blessing one of the commentators said, when we stop wrestling with God and start clinging to him, we discover that he has been there for our good to bless us. When we stop wrestling with God and start clinging to him, that's when we discover that he is there to bless us. How often do we wrestle with God? We try to win. We try to fight what he wants us to do. But it's not until we say, uncle, okay, I give up. That's when we realize that God was there to bless us all along. Jacob is not perfect. He's still not perfect. He still makes mistakes. He still lies about things. But in this humbled state, he walks with a limp for the rest of his life. He's able to say, Lord, I'm, I'm relying on you. I, ha I don't have strength myself. My strength comes from you. It's interesting how God uses these hardships, the different difficulties of his life to form Jacob's character. I love this statement from one book I read. The elect are unfit to rule as they emerge from the womb. We are not fit to, to glorify God, to be Christ-like when we come out of the womb. When you've met two-year-olds, <laughs> they're probably not fit to lead a church. But God has plans. 
says the obstacle to fulfilling God's covenant promises is his own people. It's, it's, we're, the, we're the obstacle. God has all of these plans. He has all of these promises. We're the ones that God has to overcome. What appear to be obstacles to its fulfillment, such as the barren wives, the barren land, the hostility of other people, are in reality God's means of disciplining his people to mature their faith. When things go wrong, that's when God can use, use those things to form our character, to humble us, to bring us to a place of utter dependence and reliance on the Lord. That happens so often in the Bible, and boy, doesn't it happen in our lives as well. My mom, I won't give you the whole phrase, but my mom has a very Southernism phrase. Okay, I'll give you the whole thing. I'll say it really fast, and then I'll slow it down. God fixes a fix to fix us, but if we fix the fix before it fixes us, he has to fix another fix to fix us, right? <laughs> so, like, God fixes a fix to fix us. He, he, he gives us a hardship. He gives us something to struggle with. And that is to, to form our character and to, to make us strong. But if we, if we in our own striving figure it out, if we, if we try to fix it before God's done the work in our character, he has to fix another fix to fix us. <laughs> he, has to, he has to do something else to keep working on our character. That, she has said that to me all of my life, and that's why I can say it so fast. But think about how God has used his fixes in your life to fix different parts of your character. Sometimes it is the most exasperating season or person or, or whatever, but God is using those instances to form your character. And that's what he's doing with Jacob all along. So when you think about what you're striving for, we all can be like Jacob, wanting to grab our blessing, wanting to grab what we think we deserve. When we, when we try to win with our own strength or try to figure it out ourselves, the question is, when do you need to say, Uncle? When do you need to say, God, I don't get it. I can't fix this myself. Lord, you do what you need to do, whatever it takes. We were praying that prayer, whatever it takes. In early 2020, in this church, several of the staff, we were praying together, Lord, do whatever it takes to refine our church, to make us more like you. We did not see a pandemic coming. <laughs> but we do believe that God has even used a pandemic as part of the refining process, part of what he wants to do to make us more Christ-like and more godly, more reliant on him when everything that we usually rely on is gone. God can use all of it. And when we, when we stop grabbing for ourselves and start saying, Lord, what do you have? With open hands, that's when he's able to bless. That's when he's able to, to grow us, to look more like him. The ultimate opposite of Jacob in his early days is Jesus Christ. In Philippians 2, it intentionally is reflecting back on Jacob when it says Jesus Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grabbed onto. Jesus was already the firstborn among all creation. He was already the one whose birthright gave him the right to rule heaven and earth. But he didn't consider it something to be grabbed onto. He let go of it. He did the opposite of what Jacob did. He humbled himself, humbled himself even unto death and even death on a cross. Jesus was the one who was willing to let his body be broken and his blood shed for you as we, as we celebrate today with communion. He is the one, 
He's the one who wrestled with God in the middle of Gethsemane. And, and he wasn't the one who prevailed. He was the one who said, but not my will, but yours be done. It is because we worship a God like that who is willing to, to be the opposite of the grabber. He is n not a grabber and he is not a deceiver. He is true and he is willing to be with us and he wants to bless us if we lay our lives down before him and say, Lord, you are God and I am not. Brothers and sisters, what are you striving for? What we need to do is wrestle with God and let him prevail. And it is with, when we wrestle with the world with God and through God and by his grace, that that is when we will see God win in our lives. Let's pray together. Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you for who you are. You are the God high and mighty, all who high and lifted up. And yet you were the one that was willing to take on the form of a human being, the form of a servant, and humble yourself all the way to death, even death on a cross. And Lord, that was not the end of the story. It seems like human failure, your, all your striving was nothing. And yet you were the one who saw far beyond the grave. And Jesus, you raised him up from the dead, where he, and he's now ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Lord God, it is to Jesus that we cling. He is our fix in all of our fixes. He is the one who has come to seek and save the lost. Lord, forgive us for all of our striving. We're the right man on, we're not the right man on our side. Our striving would be losing, but with the right man on our side, even our losing becomes winning because it is in Christ. Lord, we thank you for your victory and we pray that you would help us to trust that, to lay down our weapons and our burdens and everything else that we cling to and grab onto and cling to you and the old rugged cross instead. Lord God, we lift up those among us who are clinging desperately to, to anything that they can find to get them out of the brokenness that they're in right now, whether that is broken relationships or broken bodies or, or, or broken hearts, grief, all of the things that we face all the time. Lord, we pray that you would, instead of having them have to keep a grip or they'll die, Lord, we pray that you would wrap your everlasting arms around them and give them rest. Lord, let's them know that you love them and are with them. You rescue them because you delight in them. Lord, we pray that you would, in, in your transformation of our lives, that you would begin to give us your vision as well for the community around us. So many people are lost and longing for you. They are trying to grab on anything that will keep them afloat, but Lord, you are the one that can rescue them and save them. And Lord, we want to be part of that rescue party. We want to be part of the people that, that share your good news with the world. Lord, and there may be people here in this room who long to know what it means to, to rest in you, to trust in you. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes and hearts and minds to your presence. Touch their, their minds and spirits with your Holy Spirit power. Transform them so that they may know and have the assurance that you are Lord and that you love them more than they can ask or imagine. Lord, we pray that as we turn now to, to our communion, that we would see the incredible gift that you 
pour out on us that you are the one who loves us enough to die for us. And in you we put our trust. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, please rise now as we affirm our faith in Christ through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.